0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Inside
1: sources, Inside sources. behind the scenes experience in Washington and around, around the, the world. world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, Matheson on KSL News Radio, one hundred two point seven FM and eleven sixty AM. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. This is the extended edition of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way till three o'clock today, so don't go anywhere. We got a lot of ground to cover in the final hour. We'll have Governor Gary Herbert joining us uh, about uh, two twenty ish, and uh, I'm I'm really excited to welcome our next guest uh, on this. Is also uh, this is just like Happy Friday for me. I get to talk to James Walner now. I get to talk to Dr. David Bob uh from the Bill of Rights Institute. Dr. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Wonderful to be with you, Boyd. Well, you were you you've been in my consciousness all week. Uh we've been talking about a lot of the different principles and things that have really made leadership extraordinary in the United States and in, in our history. And I have on my uh shelf in my office a very well used dog-eared, yellow-tagged, multiple underlined book <laughs> Uh, that you wrote called Humility, An Unlikely Biography of America's Greatest Virtue. Uh, and I want to get to you on a number of things of what you're doing at the Bill of Rights Institute and some of the big issues of the day. Uh, but I want to go back to this principle of humility. I think if if folks, if you still need one more book for your summer reading list, this is the one. It's Humility, Dr. David Bob, it's B-O-B-B. And uh, just give us a little taste if you would, Dr. Bob, in terms of how this book came about and how you tapped into what I do think is one of the essentials of leadership in America, humility.
2: Well you know how the saying goes that a statesman is a dead politician.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Uh, often used and and I got thinking about, you know, what really what are those qualities, just kind of along the same lines as what you've been talking about, what are the qualities that we really esteem um, or at least we pay lip service and they are really important, um, and pretty much everybody knows that they're important, but somehow they end up uh, not as much happening in practice as in theory. And humility has to be right up there, right? You listen to politicians and you hear them, I'm humbled by today's results, I'm proud to be elected your uh, United States senator, your governor. And then they promptly go on and nothing this speaks humility about the way that they act. So we hear about it in politics, but do we see a, a, a lot of examples. And to further complicate things, can you be humble and great at the same time? Because I think that a lot of uh, people who are very ambitious, whether it's in politics or business or whatever field um, of, of endeavor, they, they, they feel like to be humble is to kind of give up on ambition. And what I ended up doing in, in the book and and uh, really through uh, just asking a lot of questions and, and uh, trying to search through history and find who are some people, particularly in, in our past, and in, in America's past, that combined greatness, greatness of soul and real humility. That list isn't very long because it's so hard to do, but I think the main point is that you don't have to give up on ambition in order to be... Uh, um, Humble, in fact, the two can go
1: together. Yeah, I I do think that's we've been talking about false choices today. That uh, the mm. Congress always seems to serve up serve up. You know, it's <laughs> either you have to do all of right. this or none of that, and it's it's this false choice. And and I do think we have the same thing with humility. Uh, and I love the way mm. you frame that that you don't have to give up on ambition. Ambition and humility are compatible principles. Uh, I, I think that's an important lesson for all of us to learn. Uh, give us one quick example uh, of uh, someone you write about in your book uh, that possessed both that drive, that ambition, but also the humility to, to really make it matter.
2: So go back to to, to George Washington teenager. We normally think of the, the powdered wig version, elder statesman, father of our country. But, you know, everybody uh, that's, that's uh, a luminary at one point, in time was 16, 17 uh, years old. And when Washington was that age, he was on fire with ambition. He wanted to be king of the world and he wanted to be famous. And he had that kind of uh, unquenchable thirst for for fame. Uh, When we talk to young people at at the Bill of Rights Institute, uh, we tell them, Washington as a teenager would have been all over Instagram, uh, pictures of him in his military uniform, right? Right. I mean, he was, he was a guy that would have had selfies. And yeah. so as a 20 year old fighting for the, um, for the Brits at the time, he basically touched off a world war. Uh, and that was the French, what came to be known as the French and Indian Con, uh, war. And, and it was very many historians think done through an act that was really rash. In other words, he was ambitious, but he had to in the, the wake of this uh, incident and and, uh, the repercussions that came for him in his military career, uh, asked uh, himself in a deep way, what do I want to be famous for? Mm -hmm. And I think it was a chastening of his spirit, not a dampening of his ambition, that said, i got to channel this prodigious ambition in the right direction, or else I could end up with a tyrannical soul. And there's a lot of people that throughout history we know that never did that, and they ended up as tyrants. Washington ended up as the man who is rightfully known as the father of our country because he gave up power when he could have kept
1: it. Mm, fantastic. Uh, always one of my favorite things to do walking through the uh, the Capitol Rotunda late at night uh, was to watch that ultimate act of humility yeah. as he uh, returned power to the people. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have Dr. David Bob from the Bill of Rights Institute uh, on the line with the author of a great book, Humility, An unlikely biography of America's greatest virtue, Uh, and I want to get—I'm going to bridge your worlds here between your book and uh, your work at the Bill of Rights Institute and some of our current issues, Uh, and that is to go to to Madison for a minute. Uh, We're we're hearing a lot of things today. We've got this uh, school district in South Dakota saying, "Hey, you've got to have the national motto and God We Trust uh, prominently on the wall in the schools," and uh, and so talking about all of these different rights, and of course. It was, it was Madison that said uh, uh, that, you know, having a right to property, uh, we also have property in our rights. And from a uh, Bill of Rights Institute, which, as you spend time thinking these things through, teaching these to young people, what should people really be thinking about when it comes to rights? I
2: think one of the great things that Madison himself taught through his example is don't think of your rights coming from that piece of paper on which they're written. In other words, just because we write down these rights doesn't make them so. Uh, if, if, um, if you want to think about this in a different way, Google North Korea's Constitution. It's long, much longer than ours, but its section on rights is eloquent and yet utterly meaningless. Wow. The Soviet Union had a beautiful, eloquent statement of rights. Cuba does today. But they were, in the words of Madison, a parchment—all of them were parchment barriers. And so before Madison was for the Bill of Rights, he was against it. And his logic went like this. Hamilton shared the same point of view. If we write down our rights and we don't write down every one of them, does that mean that we don't have that right And in fact, we know that that's not the case, because it's the laws of nature and nature's God that bestows upon us and the human dignity that we have, because we're created beings. That's the reason we have rights. Government does not grant them, but governments are instituted to secure these rights, those inalienable, God-given rights. And I think today we have a confusion about that, and young people in particular are prone to think of rights as the material um, possessions. The government should give you this, that, and the other thing. And I really do see that a lot. You know, there's the rap against millennials. They're so prone to, to believe uh, now in, in socialism. And at the Bill of Rights Institute, we work with um, even younger uh, folks who are who are part of the kind of iGen right. or Gen Z. And they're still up for grabs. They, they're they trying to figure out, you know, uh, sometimes they'll follow in the footsteps of their their. their Slightly older uh, siblings but, but mostly they're they're trying to figure out who they are as a human being yes. and part of that is you know figuring out who am I as a as a citizen and and, and how do I think about these rights and and responsibilities so so that's um, that's what I think Madison can tell us, whether we're young or, or whatever age we are. Oh,
1: fantastic. Uh, Dr. David, Bob, always appreciate your insight, your wisdom. Uh, and again, if you haven't picked up a good reading book for the summer, Humility, and Unlikely Biography of America's Greatest view- Virtue, Dr. David Bob uh, from the Bill of Rights Institute. Thanks so much for joining us on Inside Sources today. Thank you so much, Boyd. All right. When we come back, Governor Gary Herbert will join us right here on KSL News Radio. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. We'll be right back.